McGrath. Welcome to For the Record. Thank you so much for coming by our balcony. It's a pleasure. It's lovely. Greenery, shrubs, smiling faces. Debut balcony recording. How do you feel? (laughs) I like it. I think it's good, you know. I think more outdoor radio. It's probably very difficult to produce, but it feels nice. We'll keep you posted. (laughs) Um, I feel like we've been wanting to get you on the show for ages, so I'm glad that this could kind of finally happen. Mm. And I'm glad that we're talking about such a a knockout of a record that is Beat Boy. Um, I feel like it's one of the the bright sparks in what was an otherwise very dull, depressing, gross... Absolutely. A- any any other words you could think to describe 2020 <laughs> of? Um, this was one of those albums that kind of definitely made me go, thank God Sydney Music is still here. So much so it was Smack nominated, oh. which is... There you go. The Night of Nights for Sydney is going to be very, very soon. We're going to unveil all the winners. We have no idea who they are, but we wanted to talk to Gus about uh, Beat Boy, nominated for, what, Album of the Year? Yeah. There are a couple noms there. Oh, that's that's my one, but um, a pleasure nonetheless. It's I mean, I was totally surprised. I think it was such a pleasure, especially moving to Sydney recently and kind of really loving it, being here a lot, and feeling very at home. It was, like, a very nice, you know, end to a pretty, you know, dull year. It was, like, Mm. a real... It it was very big. I'm, like, very thankful. I'm very glad to be part of, you know... Supported by FBI. It feels like a very big deal. I'm really, really, like, touched about the whole thing. Stop. Oh, it's true. Stop. I guess, um, way, way to kind of start this off is it's a bit of a... Not a weird time to release it, but a, a strange circumstance to be releasing an album under. Was that something that you, did you did you just want to get this music out, or was it more a case of like ah, I feel like people kind of need music right now? Or? Well, I mean, I'd actually recorded it before I moved, and the right. whole process of like I mean, because it's making electronic music as well, it was really like recording vocals, and then yeah. you can spend forever like adding new things, like doing mm, this. Totally. Um, but it was originally meant to come out kind of embarrassingly. I think there was a press release that it was going to come out in February or March or something. It was meant to come out way earlier. Right. And I, there was like a whole bunch of problems getting it mixed and I was being really indecisive. So it ended up working that it had just been done by then. But it was so long between the last album and this one that it was like, I just wanted out. I'm kind of glad in a way. I think if it came out when it was meant to in February, one, I would be having to cancel you know, tours, do all that stuff, which would be awful. And I really am not, you know, I feel very bad for all the artists who had to do that. Yeah. But also it was quite nice because again, it meant that if I'd put it out, then it would just come out and then it would just kind of be nowhere whether, Mm. because I wasn't really doing anything this year. It was nice to have kind of something happening. Yeah. Even though it was, you know, all essentially done before before the whole pandemic so it it worked out quite well and it's nice to be able to you know give something at a time when people are you know I guess you could also see this as maybe a negative maybe a positive not releasing with all the fanfare that kind of comes with releasing an album doing all the like crazy amounts of press all the touring it kind of at least in my eyes lets the music stand up on its own kind of two two feet so and I think gives people a bit more chance to, like, really, really kind of unpack what the record's about. Oh, totally. I mean, I, I'm not used to that stuff, and I, I get really 
I get stressed out very easily, and I can be kind of, I can be a real perfectionist. So it's kind of hard. It was kind of a nice, like you know, baby steps approach or something, because everything was kind of halved by you know the, the real shutdown of everything. Yeah. So it kind of worked well for me. Small enough to fuck them 
sweat, clean skin, don't stop I can't keep running, my edges leak My organs fall out, don't stop Spit until my mouth is dry And everything in me is clean Sincerely, don't stop So please follow Bend your everything I float Bending wild I want fucking affection and lots of attention It's all mine Eyes, body, kids Um, one thing we were kind of noticing, and I, I don't know if this is an inspiration that you've had or something that's just come across naturally. We're listening to the record, but more specifically the opener, um, Parent. And I was saying that, and I mean this as a total compliment. I'm open. Um, it, it reminded me of just like this underworld version of something like The Presets. Yeah. Or like, like Apocalypse... Apocaly- is it Apocalypso? Yeah. I always get it mixed up, but yeah, yeah. No, I, I love that album, which was kind of a late thing. I was a very big fan of it when it came out mm. when I was 12 or 13, and I was like, this is awesome, but kind of coming back to it as an adult, and I was like, this is really good, and it's funny because I kind of didn't start thinking about the presets. Like, I guess they're not someone who I think about when I make the mm. music, but I, I totally agree that I think there is a comparison, because a lot of the time I think I'm thinking... Often I just kind of do a bad job of replicating it, so it doesn't sound like it, right. which kind of works in my benefit. But the presets thing, I'm I'm so into. On that though, I think that's something that the presets could commend because while their project and a lot of their records have been very like protest-heavy dance music, you're still kind of taking what they're preaching and repurposing it and redoing it in your own way and recontextualizing spaces like club scenes um, and I guess it stands apart sonically at least compared to your first album which was a lot more new order new wave um, almost a little bit drier as well just with how you were making music at that point you hadn't really dabbled in production and playing with Ableton yet how did it feel when you wanted to tuck yourself in to start writing B-Boy? Did you set out wanting to do something completely different? What state of mind were you in? Yeah, I mean, musically I don't think about it very much. I'm never like, I want it to sound... Oh, maybe that's not true. I Musically, I can be pretty flippant, maybe. I kind of follow a random idea. But the production standpoint was definitely something. I kind of often really want to 
push myself. I, I don't like being comfortable or limited. So I think because I was using kind of this one synth sequencer that was like drum machine and synths, I'd figured it out and I felt like I was kind of at a an end point with that. And also because like it has kind of more of, you know, like 80s, 90s sound because it was from the early 90s, which was great, but it would break all the time. And because I couldn't save it, so, you know, I'd be programming things into it and then it would die. Then, you know, I had a show in a week, so I'd have to like reprogram all the songs. So part of it was practicality, but then part of it was that I kind of wanted to do more things and, you know, getting more and more into electronic music and listening to more contemporary electronic music. And especially someone like the presets, I think they probably have, you know, dozens of synths and drum machines. And I don't really, as you know, someone who doesn't have enough money to buy, you know, yeah. entire studios worth of stuff. Like the laptop feels practical. I can bring it around and it kind of almost has this endlessness. Mm-hmm. And it was because I'd been trying to write for quite a while and was feeling quite stuck. And that was kind of the real progression. So, I mean, some of the sounds from that are sample, but a lot of B-Boy is just like new, you know, I wanted like infinite realm of options Mm. do you think part of that comes into play with you feeling maybe a little bit more comfortable with growing up and getting a bit older feeling a bit more safer in your own skin and secure in yourself and starting to come to terms with the person you wanted to be I mean I think that's definitely a huge part of it it's pretty it's pretty weird thinking about you reflecting like how old am I? God, okay, I'm 25. You know, like six, seven or five years ago, being like, what am I, you know? And, like, I mean, as well, coming back to the presets, maybe, I I think it's always been... It was weird. The presets sound gay. And I was really surprised to learn that they weren't gay. Um, and I, th- I think that's part of it, like... God, this is so tangential. I can be very tangential. That's fine. I... I think there's a lot of things. I, I'm i way less interested in trying to kind of project, you know, this person I feel a lot more comfortable with who I am. And I think it's part of trying to challenge myself as well, you know. I think I'd kind of figured out how to do that with desire, I guess. And trying to make more conventional songs felt harder. So, I mean, part of it is that I'm more comfortable and I want to challenge... Yeah, I'm more comfortable and I want to challenge myself. Is the real answer, I guess, if I you know, can eventually end up with that answer. Do you feel like you're constantly kind of fighting with those two sides of yourself? Like when you're making Fully. music? Yeah, it's definitely like... Because I can find an idea that seems really interesting, but then doesn't kind of have... Appeal isn't the right word. I guess I think a lot about... I want songs to hit like pop songs. I right. kind of don't want to have to... I don't want you to have to force yourself to like it or kind of, like, really think about it. I don't want it to be difficult music necessarily. So I think mm-hmm. there's kind of a a direct, like, serotonin hit of pop yeah. music that I want. But then it's hard because sometimes I'll kind of find something that's quite interesting, but it's maybe more, you know, cerebral or, like, you know, slow-moving. So there is a kind of real balance of trying to, you know do something that's interesting but then if it's kind of too simple it's like not interesting enough so it's a real kind of balancing act Mm. often I think of yeah kind of towing two quite opposite lines I think
if you've just tuned in on For The Record, you're with me, Maya Villick and Dan Gordon, speaking to Gus McGrath, a.k.a. California Girls, chatting through his album Beat Boy, Smack Award nominated for Album of the Year, which is a pretty big feat achievement. Huge gong. Pat on the back. Congratulations and well done, Gus. We're, Thank you. As I said, going through Beat Boy and... We've touched on a couple different things thus far, but what I want to ask you now, Gus, is given that you mentioned earlier you're kind of starting to develop your sound quite a lot um, at this point, you're putting out an album in the middle of a pandemic and these unprecedented times. <laughs> um, but what is, I think, the most admirable across the album is how vulnerable you're putting yourself and it seems almost like to a level that you hadn't yet done thank you i mean i feel like i'm getting a lot of compliments so i'm very glad i <laughs> you know, i'm doing this um yeah i mean i think i and maybe this is part of the kind of dissonance between me as a regular person in the world and kind of performing as california girls i think i feel quite awkward kind of performing and that kind of is both shows and you know recording and writing songs I find it quite awkward and it doesn't come naturally to me um I mean someone you know I live with Marcus Whale and he's someone who you know will just whip out he's a performer but even we're in the rooms next to each other and he'll kind of he can come up with lyrics very quickly I think because he's such an incredible singer he really can kind of sell them whether I think I feel quite awkward with that stuff so I kind of I really labor over lyrics for a long time and then I also I kind of almost need to like win myself over to like convince myself that they're okay but part of it as well is that I think I kind of I feel like I need to make it high stakes or like I kind of need to make myself vulnerable or I kind of don't believe it enough or I feel like I kind of can't sell it which is probably like not the healthiest thing or like you know it's like a little bit torturous but I I often find that I can't... I feel like I can't sell something unless I, like, believe it or I kind of am really invested in it. Um, you know, especially that, you know, I think about when I was 15 in this really bad kind of high school band and I'd, like, write songs about movies I liked and they're, they're all just really stupid. So I think, you know, maybe, maybe it's a bit tough, but, um, you know, it, it, if I make it high stakes and it feels, you know, worthwhile or more interesting I think but it's pretty bad you kind of know if you're dating me you know something's going wrong if I'm making songs about you it's kind of a problem where like you know I have a very nice boyfriend currently who's like why didn't you write a song about me and it's like because this is like don't need to yeah it's going well like there's a problem if I'm writing a song about you (laughs) Um, there's a very funny story about when I put Desire out kind of right as I put it out or I was writing it I was in this like really kind of quite stupid relationship and my boyfriend at the time would kind of brag and be like all these songs are about me and all his friends were like have you listened to like it doesn't seem good internally you're like yeah it was really like i mean it's this is different to that i think because with desire is definitely like if i write an entire album about how my relationship is weird i can like figure it out which was not it didn't it didn't resolve it it didn't really work so i think you know that's I learned not to do that with Beat Boy. <laughs> I was just going to say, you you do kind of go through this real big... This this is going to sound really cringy, but... Please. 
you come out of this cocoon a, a different person. You've, Thank you. You've opened yourself up. You've literally moved cities. Your horizons have expanded. And you have a song like Out the Door, even. Did really reckoning with yourself and coming to terms with your relationships... You, you mentioned before you're in a really... A, a much happier relationship as well. Does that mean that we're going to get a different kind of California Girls with the next record? Yeah, I mean, maybe. I've... I think I've had to think a lot broader. Um, I'm not too far in it as well. I think I... I've thought about how it's important to kind of breathe a bit. I don't want to kind of run into something too soon. Mm. There is a level where it's hard because I think I benefit from kind of, you know, lived experiences and it's been very hard this year to kind of do much. Yeah. But I, I have, yeah, I have been thinking about things. I mean, what's funny is I think probably the new stuff will sound very tortured in that often when I try and write songs that sound happy, and maybe this is part of the kind of trying to like offset what I'm doing or challenge things, often the songs that sound most tortured are kind of meant to be the happiest and the songs that sound the happiest are kind of the most, like, you know, angsty, yeah. which is a funny thing. So maybe it'll be, like, you know, the kind of darker-sounding period, but I'll actually just be, like, doing great. I can't believe what you say and I don't believe 
find that when you're writing an album, and and not that necessarily both of your records have that overarching theme that dominates the entire record, because I mean they kind of do, but do you find you it helps you when you're writing to have the kind of like the base level of what you know you want to talk about and then kind of scroll off from there or do you do you want to like kind of talk about a whole bunch of different things with an album yeah I, I think I mean like a lot of things I think it's a bit of like a balancing act yeah. I really when I make an album I want the I, I want it to be a unified body I which probably I mean I'm glad you said that because I think I can be very tangential as seen in this interview um <laughs> But I want an album to feel like an album. It's kind of a nice idea. I think if it's a collection of singles, then it's like, what is the purpose of kind of listening to a whole totally. album? So it's kind of a... Welcome to our show. I know. Well, yeah, that's, which is why it's a real pleasure. I'd really thought about... I was like, it would be so fun to do that. So I, I'm actually really... Seeing as a fan, it's a joy. Oh. <laughs> which is true. I think it's a really good show. Oh, my God. Stop it. Stop it. Yeah, now you're... Well, I, you deserve it. You both deserve it. You know, It should be a 50-50 split. Um, but we agree. Albums over singles? Well, yeah. totally. Yeah. And, like, I I mean, I think a problem as well is that I am a real singles person a lot of the time. Like, I gravitate to singles a lot. And maybe that's part of the kind of thinking about constructing the album is that I kind of want it to... I want it to all be worthwhile. I want it to feel like a kind of unified thing. Mm-hmm. So I think I kind of... I guess because it's all quite kind of personable or personable, personal or intimate, I think there's a level where kind of lyrical themes kind of end up clustering around mm. generally what I'm thinking about. But I, I do kind of start out with these kind of springboard of ideas. And I think it's kind of that process of like, uh, I don't know, maybe it's like making a ceramic or something, you kind of sculpt it, but then it's like too far and you have to bring it back in a bit and then sculpt it. So it, it's it's both. But I'm very glad, you know, I kind of want it to be very unified. And mm. I think I'm thinking, moving forward as I'm starting to think about making more music again, I'm kind of, trying to think of that you know overarching thing maybe we're gonna hear the california girls um look back on 2020 concept <laughs> album for the oh next god it'd be like watch another movie <laughs> get sent a link it's really it's hard to naturally make something that I would write a california girl song about happen because a lot of them are these kind of brief moments where i have this like flash of intense emotion that are kind of generally quite uninteresting you know, from the outside. Mm. So, yeah, I don't, I, it's a it's a hard thing to try and write music in this time, but I, in a way I think it's a good challenge. Yeah, I don't know. I, I really like the idea of collaboration. I'm kind of thinking more and more about collaboration, which is kind of good because it's, like, mm. helpful to have, you know, things to springboard. Mm. Well, I mean, you li- you know, you live with Mark as well. Oh, I'm yeah. sure that that must be a plethora of ideas thrown oh. around and, the house all the time. And the fact that you're very close with Rebel Yell. Oh, yeah. Well, we still... We were meant to do a song, but we're both... We can both be very vague. Well, actually, that's unfair and grace. I can be very vague. Um, and because I'm so slow as well. Right. But it is kind of... It's startling that we've, like... There was a period where we would both sing on each other's songs when we'd play together, because we'd play together all the time. So I'd, like, sing Toxic with her, because I'm, like, really <laughs> obsessed with it. But, yeah, living with Marx is great. It's nice because he's such a doer. Marx is a real kind of, like, mum type, which is very nice, but he would always be like, it would be so fun to make music with you. And then I kind of offhandedly mentioned it. And now he keeps like making song parts or like beats and sending them to me. Or being like, you need to come to my room and we're going to make a song now. So, I mean, look, maybe maybe a lot of Marcus Whale in the future, which 
is probably actually good. I'd really struggle with melody. I'm not very, like, trained. And I first started playing music as a drummer, so I'm, like, quite comfortable drum-wise, but, like, melody, I often feel mm. like, I don't know what I'm doing. Well, mm-hmm. Marcus, was all, he's all melody, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, well, and I'd mentioned that to him, and he's like, I wrote all these parts, I did all this stuff, so... I'm really kind of you know, reaping the benefits of yeah, cool. the productive Mark as well. <laughs> I was only just going to say, given that you said you feel like you, Gus McGrath, you feel like a bit of an anxious and maybe a bit of an awkward person, and then California girls, Gus, we'll call him CG, um, is a lot more direct, maybe a little bit of a showman, kind of. I want to link this to your live show because... I was about to say, definitely a showman. (laughs) (laughs) You have such a commanding presence when you're performing, but I love the fact that you start... I'm referencing this to a show. Back in February. Almost a year ago now, wow. Um, (laughs) But you start with your back to the audience, and a lot of the time you're in this kind of power stance, like you're gripping the microphone with both of your hands kind of out as if you're about to... You're like an Olympian about to perform some stunt or something. But you you have this very interesting and technical... I really wish you could see this. (laughs) Radio is not the medium for this. um, You have such a great commanding presence as a performer um, and it seems as though writing this record has really pulled you out of your shell a little bit. How do you see... California girls moving forward in the future oh well yeah I mean a lot of it is subconscious is not the right word but I think part of it is making a kind of momentum or energy in the music that I can kind of zone out because a lot of the times I kind of surprise myself I remember there was one show at Red Rattler where I can't even remember what he was doing but there was one guy in the audience who was being a bit stupid and I was like fully heckling this guy from the stage like brutally and I like finished the set and I was like, what was I doing? Like I would never I would never do that in a person to person interaction. So I mean I think Do you feel like you're fully this might sound a bit strange. Please. Do you feel like you're fully conscious when you're up on stage? Like hundred percent of your being is there? Like or do you find that when you're playing songs you kind of like lose yourself into that? Not and become a different person, but like almost kind of like sedated? Yes. Well, I, I, the way that I think about the songs, because I think when I make the songs as well, it's, as everything is, this balancing act of trying to think about playing it live. And that's often where I kind of discern if a song is working or not, because I kind of need to... It needs to feel right. And often I think the way that I make the songs, which is maybe part of the vulnerable thing as well, I kind of force myself into a position where I have to do it Mm. because I think if I give myself wiggle room to kind of you know be a bit like relaxed or like be a bit reserved or something then I'll be too nervous so it's kind of like I I kind of force myself into this position of having to do it so I I am there but there's kind of enough kind of going on that I need to really you know Mm. like be in the zone and a lot of it is why I really kind of make a point of knowing what I'm doing, you know, like knowing the songs really well, which I mean is what any band has to do. But (laughs) I think part of it is that if there's a kind of second nature to knowing the songs, then there's no kind of having to recall it or something. If it's like instinctual to do it, then I kind of have the space to do that. But it's funny because the back to the audience thing is never 
super conscious. It's like mm. me just kind of trying to like ease myself in by I accident. I mean, that's how Jim Morrison started performing. Everyone yeah. would kind of make fun of him and say like, you're never going to make it. Because he would always perform initially as part of the doors with his back turned the whole the whole set. And that Shit. is a flex. Well, that yeah, I mean, that's a huge flex. Yes. It's been such a pleasure oh. chatting with you today. Thank you so much for coming by and bearing all with us. We really appreciate it. And joy. your time. My pleasure. I'm not doing much else, you know, it's fine. <laughs> we'll see you on here for the next one. Yes, when we do the Slipknot discography. Oh, yeah, that I was more talking about. Oh, album, yeah. But, like, we can definitely break down. So if you want to come on and we can talk about um, the debut Slipknot record. Yeah. That would be kind of sick. Well, maybe the next album I'll cover the whole first Slipknot album, and then that'll be a prompt to... See. Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, you can tune in to the live on-air FBI Radio Smack Awards happening on the 27th of January, which is a Wednesday from 6 o'clock. It's going to be on FBI 94.5 FM at fbiradio.com, digital radio. Tune in. You're going to hear all the results live I believe, well, I don't believe, you will find out who, <laughs> who takes out all the gongs. Gus is nominated, as, if we haven't said it enough on this show, he's nominated for Album of the Year, very rightfully so, Beat Boy, fantastic album. Um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on the show. We're obsessed with you. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been so lovely. I'm, I'm loving it. I'm loving all of it. It's so fun. Timber
Other hands you fuck with other hands you fuck with other hands